Good morning. Welcome to River Life. My name's Kong. I'm an associate pastor, and I'm so glad that we could all be here this morning. This is one of my favorite Sundays. It's kind of like what Pastor Greg had mentioned. It's our costume party Sunday, so I love seeing all the kids and students and adults dress up in costume. Today, I'm Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, and so later, you can catch the rest of the Scooby Squad out and back. So thanks for being here this morning. Um, our current series, you know, we're jumping right in. So our current series this, that we've been on is the series on fear. And Greg kicked us, up, or kicked us off a couple weeks ago talking about real fears that come deep inside of us. These fears are the fears that are ever-present. They're monsters that lurk in the shadows of our soul. These are the ones that drive us to say or do things that sometimes we regret the next day. These are the ones that cause us to hurt people and push them away. And sometimes these fears are even the ones that are the things that are behind our, our uh, addictions and excesses. And so we're going to continue to shine God's light into the shadows and allow him to provide some healing for our deepest fears. Last time, we recited a verse together, and we're going to recite it again. So in a little bit, I'm going to ask you guys to read this with me. Um, this verse is the foundation of how we, as believers, should approach fear. And so it's in 2 Timothy Chapter 1, verse 7, all right? 2 Timothy verse, chapter 1, verse 7, and this is what it says. Um, and again, if you guys can read this with me, all right? Here we go. 1, 2, 3. For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Let me read that for us all together one more time. For the Spirit of God gave, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us fearful, but gives us power, love, and discipline. So how many of us would like less fear and more power in our life? I certainly would. How about less fear and more love? Or less fear and more discipline? But I'm glad that you're here with us. You're in the right place this morning. This week we're going to look at the fear of failure. And this one's a huge one for me. As we look at the fear of failure, I think about um, a class that we're currently taking churchwide. It's called Emotional Healthy Spirituality. And this past week, we talked about this idea of going back to go forward. And so to just kind of recap for those who aren't in the class with us, it's this idea that we're going back to, you know, to, to take a look at lessons that our parents taught us. Um, and, and these are typically lessons that were unhealthy for us. And we're taking it and shining God's light on to see what God says about it. And one of the huge lessons that I was taught growing up was to honor my family. If I didn't, I would be shameful of me. I learned very early on the fear of failure. My failures affected how I honored my parents and my extended family. I remember my parents telling me that I needed to redeem my family name because my grandparents were not important people in the community. My grandparents were nobodies. And so it was my job to carry that burden to make my family name great again. I grew up with that message. I grew up with those messages that taught me that I could not fail. Again, it's still one of the biggest fears I still experience today. And one notable moment is still rather fresh in my mind. And so about five years ago, my wife, Peng, and I, we decided to go back to school for a master's degree in marriage family therapy. 
And it's a three-year program. At the third year, we're supposed to, um, we're supposed to take on uh, one of the biggest requirements in order to graduate, and that's to go on our internship. Well, Pang found her internship first, and so I was like, you know, you found an internship site, you go ahead and, you know, finish up your internship, I'll take a year off, I'll do my classes, someone's got to take care of the bills, and so she went off, and, you know, um, a part of me was a little hesitant, because I was like, you know, this is a three-year program, I need to finish in three years, and I could already, you know, imagine my dad telling me, you know, like, come on, Colin, you can do this, you know, like, you can finish this in three years. But he was okay. He understood, and so Peng finished her practical her, her internship in, in three in her third year. And so I went to my fourth year. In my fourth year, I started my internship, and things were going great. Like I was clicking with the supervisor. The supervisor was clicking with me. She was super supportive. She was really upbeat, positive. First couple of weeks, she was praising everything that I did. She's like, "Great job, Kong. You're doing wonderful." And things took a really steep dive after the couple of first weeks. I started making some mistakes, and she started not being really happy, and she started to criticize some of the mistakes that I made. And it really, really affected me in a really negative way. The fear of failure started creeping up, and even manifesting, showing up, in a way that I'd never seen before, I started feeling anxious. This idea of anxiety started to feel real as my legs would go tingly whenever she was around and I would sweat. And I wasn't even doing anything physical, but I would sweat. And my fear of being a failure, my fear of, you know, not making mistakes was really real. Unfortunately, it got so bad to the point where I had to call quits about two months in. And this was really hard. Um, I had to tell my parents, I had to tell Pang, I had to tell, you know, my family that, you know, I was going to put this on pause. And, you know, this fear of failure crept in and it was telling me, Kong, you're not good enough. You know, Kong, why are you, why, you know, you're not supposed to do this, you know. You're not supposed to upkeep the family. You're supposed to upkeep the family's name, you know. You're supposed to succeed. It was super difficult to share. But thankfully, I had family members around me who were supportive, and they helped me through this. The most difficult person to face was my dad. The fear of failure ate me up just because I felt like I wasn't meeting his expectation. And again, this had been one of the biggest, most memorable, I don't know if memorable is the right word, but one of the most you know, moments that come to mind in the recent years um, that made me feel like a failure. So no matter where I went or how old I, you know, get or wherever I go, failure always seems to be one of those monsters that is always lurking in the shadows of my life. My fear of it always seems to be hovering over me. I'm still working on healing in this area, but the, you know, but the monsters that are still there remind me that, you know, it makes me hesitant to take on new opportunities. It makes me reluctant to try new things. In my fear of failure, when people affirm me, a lot of times I doubt myself. So this fear of failure is really real in my life. And I'm guessing in ways it could be really real in your life too. How's your fear of failure? Here's a little test I'm going to give all of us. And so see which one of, see which one of these you would answer yes to. All right. So we, I've got eight things listed here, all right? 
So the first thing is this. You worry what others, others think of you. You're hesitant to try new things. You tell yourself, I'm not good enough. You play it safe. You're anxious falling through goals. You worry about disappointing others. You're very critical of yourself. You feel stuck to take the next big step. So how'd you do? My guess is some of you, for some of you, those may resonate with you. So what do you do if some of these things described you? Thankfully, the Bible has a lot of hope for us. Um, and for, you know, because it, it demonstrates to us, it shows us there's, there's a lot of people who make, who makes plenty of mistakes. And today I want to talk about someone who made plenty of mistakes. I want to talk about someone who was one of Jesus' disciples. Yes, even one of Jesus' very own disciples makes mistakes. I want to talk about Peter. Peter is a great example who we can learn from who shows us what it means to have the fear of failure. And we're going to look at two different parts of Peter's life and how we can learn from him. The first part deals when, he's, when Jesus calls him to be a disciple. And the second part is, biggest, is Peter's biggest mistake in his life. So let's go to the first part, Peter being called to be a disciple. So when Peter was called to be a disciple, we have to remember some things about Peter. He was born a Jew, and his Jewish culture it was every parent's dream to have their sons learn, study, and, remember, and memorize the Old Testament. Similarly, every home parent's dream is to have their children study, learn, and memorize whatever it is so that they could be the best of the best. A doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. And in Peter's day, it was a rabbi. Peter's parents hoped that he would grow up to get trained by a rabbi who was reputable, was a religious leader in the community. But Peter ended up being a fisherman. And that's kind of like, you know, it resembles kind of our blue-collar jobs today, where he probably worked, in the, you know, resembled a blue-collar job where, you know, might be like a warehouse job or a construction worker. So when, Peter, when Jesus calls Peter to be one of his disciples we find Peter immediately leaving his fishing nets to follow Jesus. When, Peter calls, when Jesus calls Peter in Matthew chapter 4, through, uh, verse 19, this might have been Peter's chance to make his parents' dreams come true. The sense of failure was like, oh man, I can redeem myself. This is what Matthew chapter 4, verse 13 through 20 says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you to fish for people. And I will send you out to fish for people. Sorry. At once they left their nets and followed him. Again, some considered Jesus to be a rabbi. Peter recognized that there was an opportunity to make his parents proud. He gave up his career fishing to make his parents' dream come true. Now to the second part, when Peter is a you know, disciple, Peter makes the biggest mistake in his life. As a disciple, Peter had his good moments, and we often know Peter for his fails. 
Think of the moment where Jesus is walking on water and Peter is walking on water with Jesus too. And then Peter starts sinking. Gosh, Peter, Jesus was on water. Why'd you fail? And then think of the time where Jesus is sitting with his disciples and he's asking his disciples, who do the people say that I am? And Peter gives the right answer. And Jesus says, yes, Peter, you gave the right answer. And in the very moment after, Jesus rebukes Peter. God, gosh, Peter, why did you say such a stupid thing? And I think about the time where Jesus is being arrested and Jesus is, is, is you know, being contained by the soldiers and Peter takes out his knife and chops one of the guard's ears off. And Jesus is like, no, Peter, we're not doing this. Peter makes a ton of mistakes in the Bible. But the biggest one is yet to come. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 31 through 35, um, sorry, yeah, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, 35, it, this preludes us to Peter's biggest mistakes. And this is when Jesus is eating his final meal with his disciples. And this is what it says. Then Jesus told them, his disciples, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same. Peter being Peter decided that he would stick it through with Jesus, even though Jesus told him specifically that he would deny Jesus not only once, but three times. After Jesus gets arrested, the Gospel of Luke tells us this about Jesus' denial. So in Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 62, this is what it says. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, and him being Jesus. And when some... Some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together. Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. I'd imagine Peter was probably filled with a ton of shame because he made the mistake of denying Jesus. Imagine all the feelings of being a failure that Peter felt 
in that moment. He failed at keeping his word with Jesus. He failed for not being there to protect his friend and even more his savior. And I remember when, remember when I talked earlier about how Peter wanted to fulfill his parents' dream, every parent's dream of their Jewish boy becoming a rabbi? I'm sure in Peter's mind, Peter probably thought that he failed as a son of his proud parents who thought that he was going somewhere after he had given up the life of being a fisherman. These thoughts that Peter had of his of his rabbi, of his master being a criminal. How could he ever go back home dishonoring his parents like that? He had spent the last couple years of his life dedicated to following this so-called rabbi who claimed to be the savior of the world, but now was sitting on death row. I wonder how much shame Peter felt at that moment. How could Peter get over this? Thankfully, this isn't the end of the story, or else it would be really sad. After Jesus resurrects, one of the times the disciples encountered Jesus was when they were fishing, and Peter was part of this group too. You know, Peter was a disciple of Jesus for a couple years, and after Jesus died and rose back up, Peter went back to doing what he was doing. Funny how fear does that to us. Funny how it puts us back in our place. Funny how it tells us, go back and do what you're familiar with. Don't take chances. Don't take risks. Sometimes I wonder if that shame again was so unbearable that Peter just went back to doing what he knew best. Put back in his place. Imagine his parents' dreams are crushed. I imagine his, Peter's, Peter's dreams were crushed. But then thankfully, when Peter saw Jesus, they went to shore to see Jesus. And do you know what Jesus says to Peter? This is what Jesus says to Peter in John chapter 21, verse 19. He says, follow me. Follow me. I couldn't imagine failing my master. I couldn't imagine failing my savior and not receiving the wrath of his anger, of his frustration that I bailed on, on him. But when Jesus sees Peter, Jesus says the very words that initiated their relationship. Follow me. Failure can sometimes put us in our place if we let it. However, Jesus takes all of Peter's mistakes and shame, and he did something with, with it. You see, the, the mistakes that Peter made, Peter might have saw it as a setback, but Jesus saw them as a set up for what God had in plan. Jesus did not see Peter as a failure. Jesus doesn't identify Peter by his failures, but identifies Peter based on what Jesus did on the cross. Through all the mistakes and failures that Peter went through, 
he ends up being the top leader in the early church. If there's a lesson we can learn from Peter, it's this. God helps us overcoming our failures. So how do we overcome this? How do we overcome our fear of failure? How do we conquer a monster that, that is big and that sits in our shadows and in all of our thoughts, in all of our interactions? The answer is simple and profound. We could begin today figuring out what it is and spend the rest of our lives still trying to figure out what it is. And it's this. It's this idea that failure is an event, not a person. Failure is an event, not a person. More than anything else, don't let your mistakes identify you. But see your mistakes as things you do and not who you are. Find ways to differentiate between I am bad and I did something bad. Those are two very different things. Failure is an event, not a person. This is what Jesus did with Peter, and this is what he does with, he, he did with, he does with us. So what would it look like to actually live this out? When we make mistakes, it's okay to allow us to feel disappointment, but not disapproval. Let me say that again. When we make mistakes, it's okay for us, it's okay to allow us to feel the disappointment, but not disapproval. Your achievements and mistakes do not make you more or less human. When you make mistakes, understand that they are going to happen. Mistakes are a part of working towards success. Mistakes are a part of our faith, just as it was Peter's. Imagine if Peter continued to live his life fearfully due to his mistakes. Imagine if Peter continued to saw himself, to continue to see himself as a failure instead of the mistakes that he made. We wouldn't be here today if Peter continued to live based on the fact that he made mistakes and that he was a failure, we wouldn't be here today. Because again, Peter was the leader of the early church. The church wouldn't be here today. The church was founded in Peter and who he is and not on his mistakes. So likewise, our mistakes do not define us. So you remember that internship that I was talking about earlier? Well, I decided to go back for a fifth year. And thankfully, I found this amazing internship site that not only allowed me to thrive and flourish and, and you know, achieve what I did, what I wanted to, but allowed me to also process my experience of failing from my previous internship site. But in the end... I was short 40 hours. The feeling of shame started to creep in of having to wait another year to graduate. And I could already start, you know, I already started hearing my dad's voices in my mind and his concerns of, you know, Kong, how did you let this happen? 
took a second and stopped and realized this time that failure wasn't going to define me. I knew that my family, friends, and God did not see me for my mistakes. I took a risk and found opportunities to finish those 40 hours. I pressed on, and I just finished my last hours just a couple weeks ago. I received my diploma in December, all because I realized that I don't have to be defined by my failures. If you're afraid of failure like I am, I'd be close to helping. Uh, I'd like to close by helping us reframe our fear of failure. It's not actually failure fear that we fear. There are bigger, scarier monsters that hide in our shadows. If this is you, the questions that haunt you, the real monsters that hide in the shadows are these. Do you love me? Do you accept me? Am I good enough? I'm here to tell you that in Christ, the answer is yes. Yes, God loves you unconditionally. Yes, God accepts you for just who you are. Yes, you are good enough for Jesus to save. God does not identify you by your mistakes nor does he see you as a failure. If we let our failures overtake us, it'll cost us more than we can imagine. Our fear of failure leads us to the greatest pain, which is regret. Imagine what we could do if we embraced our mistakes as learning opportunities and not failure. Imagine the impact the church could make if we learn to love each other when we make mistakes. Imagine the love that we could show to our spouse, to our parents, to our siblings, to our friends when they make mistakes. Imagine how we can respond and grow from it instead of sitting in fear, allowing it to put us in our place, allowing us not to take chances, to take risks, to take opportunities, especially the ones that God gives us. All this is possible when we receive the love of God. And all this is possible when you allow Jesus to define who you are. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the story of Peter, Lord. How Peter made mistakes, and the biggest of them all was denying Jesus. And yet, in denying Jesus, we are so thankful that neither God or Christ identified Jesus by that mistake, but called Peter by who he was. Call a follow me, Peter, were the same words that, that Jesus has spoken to Peter when he first met Jesus. And so God, if we have the fear of failure, Lord, give us a spirit of strength, of power that breaks us free from this fear of failure. And may we know that you do not identify us by our mistakes, but rather you identify us as children of God, as yours. And we thank you for that.
And so be with any of us who fear failure. Protect us from the evil one who tells us otherwise. And may we be identified by who you are. Thank you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.